The extraordinary events I'm about to relate happened many years ago. I was 25, happily unmarried. My father, Professor Pierre Aronnax at the Museum of Natural History in Paris, had left me in New York, cataloging his specimens, while he went off gathering more in Nebraska? In that moment, the world, what little I knew of it then, seemed peaceful. Then, quite literally, out of the blue, a gigantic thing began appearing in the oceans of the world. Spindle-shaped, sometimes dark, sometimes glowing with an eerie light, far larger and faster than any fish ever seen. It excited curiosity, speculation, and fear. When on a summer's day, a hundred miles off the coast of Ireland, it attacked the SS Scotia, a ship of the Cunard line, gouging a great gash in the vessel's iron hull. More attacks followed in the Atlantic and the world's other oceans. And so the fear grew. Surely you're not admitting you were wrong, Father. I did not say I was wrong. You said it would be impossible for a sperm whale. <sighs> a cachalot, Connie. The proper name, please. The French name. You said a cachalot could never penetrate the iron plates of a steamship. My cachalot theory was formulated on the basis of the available evidence. Now the non-facts have changed. I have adapted my theory. I now know the creature to be a narwhal. A narwhal? Monodon monoceros, the unicorn of the seas. I know what a narwhal is. The, 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 the trilobites go on the arthropod shelf. Pay attention, Connie, please. According to reports, whatever's attacking shipping is at least ten times the size of the largest narwhal. Ichthyology has a myriad unsolved mysteries still. The sunless depths of our oceans are as little known to us as the dark side of the moon. We have no idea what fantastical creatures may dwell in those unfathomable depths. Papa. Kindly do not address me as if I were a lecture hall full of your students. Oh, I believe it's a boat. A what? Some sort of underwater boat. A submarine vessel. <laughs> Have you been reading novels again? You are utterly mistaken, Connie, about it being a so-called submarine. I shall prove you are mistaken. Shall you, Papa? How? I received this letter yesterday from the Secretary of the Navy, requesting my presence. Uh, here, you had better read it yourself. Shall you go? I most certainly shall. It is an honor to be asked. But why you? I beg your pardon? No, Papa. I didn't... I meant... Aren't there any... American marine biologists who can hunt this creature. My treatise, Mysteries of the Great Ocean Depths, has lately been published here. Too considerable acclaim. Of course. I know that. Pack but... my trunks, Connie, for a long voyage. Perhaps as long as half a year. Take me with you. Don't be absurd. You're a girl. A woman. Precisely.
Take her up to half speed when we make the East River. Let's give those crowds something to cheer. Captain Marvin Gooch. Monsieur Aranax. And Professor Aranax. Welcome aboard the USS Abraham Lincoln, Professor. And happy to be here, Captain. I saw you on the dock when we were casting off. I wasn't sure you'd make it. I was waiting for my daughter to come and bid me goodbye. She had something more important to do. Fine ship, Captain. Abe Lincoln is the fastest frigate in the Union Navy. Top speed at 18 knots. We'll need it if we are to catch this giant cetacean. Oh, we'll catch it. No ship's better equipped for the task. We've got every whaling weapon known to man, from concrete rockets to a deck-mounted harpoon gun. And the famous Canadian whaler Ned Land is on board. Like to meet him, Professor? Very much, but first, I should like to go to my cabin and unpack. Where did that silly girl put my armagnac? What? What? What on earth? Connie! Who kept me so long? I was suffocating in there. No, no, this, 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 this cannot be. Connie, you will go back to New York immediately. I shall tell Captain Farragut to turn the ship around. I fear that's impossible, Professor. We've already dropped the pilot. Miss Aranax, I presume. Call me Connie, please. Captain... Farragut, in 20 years at the helm, you're my first stowaway. Surely we can drop her somewhere, Captain. Put her off in escape. We just passed the coast of Long Island, Professor. We're at full steam. Heading out into the Atlantic. What can I tell you about Ned Land, the Prince of Harpooners? Physically, he was exactly as you'd expect. Tall, lithe, muscular, perhaps 40 years of age, which seemed ancient to me then. An uncomplicated fellow, or so I thought. A man's man, who didn't care to be challenged or mocked, which was a challenge in itself. A woman? The captain said you had remarkable eyesight. What the hell's a woman doing on board? If I'm honest, Ned Land frightened me then. I sensed his distrust. He distrusted all womankind. His tightly coiled violence. Of course, at that first encounter, I didn't see the darkness that lay beneath. So, not uncomplicated at all. We shall patrol the sea lanes where it has previously appeared and hope it finds us. Hope is not a very scientific quality. You think the narwhal, Professor? Well, what other marine creature has an appendage that could penetrate the height of a ship? An iron ship. Plates as thick as my hand. Your point, Mr. Land. I've known a Norval's tusk pierce a wooden hull. Plate iron? <laughs> it wouldn't leave a dent. Exactly. Therefore, I believe it's a, a vessel oh, that can sail oh, beneath... Oh, 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 please. Try not to look foolish. <laughs> Very likely, this is a monster from the lower depths, where pressures reach a hundred atmospheres or more. Therefore, the creature's very structure would have evolved to resist such immense pressures. So we watched and talked, and in time Ned Land thawed a little. I found him less intimidating. 
and the Abraham Lincoln sailed on, patrolling the oceans of the world from the Arctic to the equator and beyond. We saw porpoises and razorbacks and cachalot and... I see it! I see it! On the starboard bow! Ah, that's a bullhead whale! Alina Mysticitus, an inoffensive animal. Keep looking! Days turned to weeks. Weeks became months. Nothing. The crew became... Mutinous is too strong a word. Surly. Careless. Finally, 200 miles off the coast of Japan. A million stars out tonight. Foreign stars. Quite different from the stars over France. Sorry you came now, Penny. Not sorry, Papa. Disappointed. When we return to Paris, I shall be a laughing stock. You must try not to mind. Monster Ahoy! There she is! Our creature! Off the starboard bow! Where? There! See? Oh, it is even greater than I imagined! Papa, it's glowing! Phosphorescence? Oh, no, no, too strong! It's an electrical brightness! Fast, too! Full steam! What are we looking at, Professor? A giant narwhal! Ned, can you kill it? You bet! Seaman! That's my harpoon! You there! Hold the forecastle gun! Our quarry kept to starboard, a cable's length away. For a long while, we sped along side by side, slicing through the dark ocean. The creature apparently without effort. The Abe Lincoln straining. Have on more steam! Masts shuddering like pines in a gale. Funnels belching smoke. Sometimes, the creature swerved closer, as if to get a better look at us. When it did... Fire it! Stand clear! Did you hit it, Ned? I did. I swear I did. The shot bounced off. At last, as a pale moon rose over the inky sea... It's slowing down. He must be flagging. Half steam! Slow ahead! It's gone dark! What's it doing? Is it wounded? I'm not sure I like this. It's turning! Coming this way! Coming here! the Reverse engines! The creature bore down on us at a tremendous speed. It was 20 feet away when I saw Ned hurl his harpoon. Oh, 
Kenny? Where are you? Stay there. I'll come and find you. Ugh, my head. Head? You're here too. Bastards took me by surprise. Let them try it again. Ned, calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Losing your temper won't help us. Oh. Father! Kenny! We must feel our way around the walls. Get a sense of how big this chamber is. Look for a door. Good afternoon. What? Who's this? You are wet. Hungry and tired. Who are you, sir? We have a right to know. You have no rights. You lost them when you attacked my ship. But I will answer, Professor Aranax. How do you know who I am? I am Nemo, captain of this vessel. You, your daughter Connie, and Ned Land. How the hell do you know all this? We'll find dry clothes. On the other side of that door, food. Couches upon which you may sleep. Eat and rest. Then we shall talk. What an extraordinary room. I have dined in grand hotels that were shabby compared to this. These middles are as tasty enough, but what the hell are they? It's all from the sea. Don't you agree, Father? Mm -hmm, yeah, you are right. Uh, plants, aquatic plants, fish, mollusks. Uh, mm. I believe this dish is made from the sea cucumber, uh, an echinoderm from the class Holothoridae. Give me red meat any day. When we had eaten our fill, a great exhaustion overcame us, and we fell into a deep sleep. We must have been out for several hours. My father woke first. <coughs> Professor Aronax, at last. Captain Nemo! Connie! Ned! Wake up! <coughs> you ate well? Queer food. And no beer. Yes. Thank you, Captain. You're well rested. Uh, we are. I have been pondering what I should do with you. I believed I had cut myself off from humankind. Yet here before me, unbidden, are three sorry specimens of it. We didn't choose to be here. You didn't choose to sail on the Abraham Lincoln? You didn't choose to pursue me across the Seven Seas? Mr. Land didn't choose to fire on my vessel? We believed that your vessel was an narwhal. If you had known you were hunting a ship, would it have stayed your hand? Why should I not put you back where I found you? On the hull of my ship? Then sink beneath the waves and forget you were ever there. That would be barbarous. No civilized man would do such a thing. <laughs> you believe I am civilized, Miss Aranax? No. I have turned my back on civilization. Yet I am not a murderer. You will remain on my ship. 
Free to come and go as you please. Free to see and to study everything. But never to leave. Correct. What? But never to see home, friends, family ever again. You will not find that as painful as you expect. Free as a convict is free to move around in his cell? I'll never agree to that. Not ever. Your agreement is immaterial, Mr. Land. I am telling you what must happen if you wish to live. You abuse your power, Captain. This is cruelty. No, this is clemency. You attacked me. You will find the Nautilus. That is the name of this singular vessel. More congenial than you imagine. Not a prison, but a treasury. I know your magnum opus, Professor. Mysteries of the Great Ocean Depths. You do? But for all your knowledge of the underwater world, I guarantee you will be constantly astonished. Not bored for an instant. You too, Miss Aranax. Alas, I cannot speak for Mr. Land. You sure as hell cannot. On land, despots unleash every earthly horror. But here, a mere ten fathoms down, they have no sway. Here, you may find peace. Here, and only here, I am free. Which is why I never leave. I saw my father's eyes light up when he heard Nemo's words. And I was worried. Come, let me show you the Nautilus. sailed on great ocean liners less luxurious and well-appointed than the Nautilus. My library. 12,000 volumes. Homer to Victor Hugo. Xenophon to Georges Sand. Unsurprisingly, you will find the oceanography section particularly comprehensive. Professor? You have all of my books. Of course. Next. A long gallery hung with paintings, old masters by Correggio, Titian, Holbein, modern works by Delacroix, Ingres. Pretty lady. That's the Virgin Mary, Mr. Land, by Murillo. At the far end, a great pipe organ, a score by Bach, open above the manual. Do you play, Captain? When the mood takes me. You're welcome to use it at any time. You say you've turned your back on civilization. It seems to me you've brought civilization into the Nautilus. Oh, can this be an imperial spandil? It can, Professor. I found it in the Gulf of Mexico. I have never seen one before. I have many rare shells. How many men on this ship? I will not tell you that, Mr. Land. Well, what makes it go? I hear engines, but they don't sound like steam engines. The Nautilus is powered by electricity. <laughs> the ocean gives the Nautilus heat, light, movement. In a word, life itself. I could see it was all very clever. My father and Ned were enthralled. But I confess, my own attention wandered. Now, gentlemen. <clears throat> And lady, I shall show you what may be the most remarkable feature of all. This way. We need to know what we're up against. 
How many men Nemo has at his command? From what we've seen so far, it could be ten or a hundred. Exactly. So, what are you whispering about? The size of the crew. No, no, not contemplating escape. That or seizing the ship. This vessel is a marvel. We are fortunate to be aboard. In here, please. We are presently cruising at a depth of 25 fathoms. The water outside is warm and teeming with fish. And a host of other marine creatures. How would we know that? When we can't see it. Wait. And... Light! <gasps> I never dreamed! This is truly the most marvelous sight I've ever seen. 25 fathoms, eh? Are these windows secure? Crystal glass, three inches thick. Safe at four times this depth. Oh, my dear. What's a torpedo mama water doing in these waters? Uh, Connie, Connie, uh, where well, is my notebook? It was in your pocket when you were washed overboard, Papa. I can supply you with a replacement, Professor. I have to admit, Captain, it's worth being here just to see this. I knew you'd see sense. Even you, Mr. Lamb. Captain Nemo did not appear for many days after that, though members of his crew, silent and impassive, anticipated our every need. As Nemo had promised, we moved about the Nautilus freely, though we encountered several locked doors. While Ned and I explored the ship, my father remained in the saloon, transfixed by the ever-changing view of the undersea world with all its strange and flamboyant denizens. Brinny, behold. Sargocentron Spiniferum. From time to time, the air on the Nautilus turned stale and thin. Then the ship rose to the surface, hatches were opened, and we were allowed to step out and stand upon a small railed platform above the gently curving deck. No land in sight. Never as when we surface. You notice that? I have. I don't imagine it's fortuitous. You're right, Ned. Oh, fine and dandy. You look... What? On edge. I, I don't do well in confined spaces. Never have. That's why I ran away to sea. I need sun on my face, wind in my hair. And now here I am stuck in this damn underwater oubliette. I gotta get out, Connie. Before my black dog starts howling. Your black... You mean melancholia? I mean madness. Hey, there you are. We won't talk of this now. Not with your father. Uh, I uh, just saw Nemo. Uh, still alive, then. I started to wonder. Uh, he invited us to go hunting with him tomorrow. Hunting? He said hunting, not fishing. I, uh, I think so. I, I was rather preoccupied by a spider lamprey, the largest I have ever seen. Nemo said we would be hunting in his forests on the island of Crespo. Crespo? Never heard of it, have you? I, I don't believe I have. Terra firma at last. This could be our chance, Connie. You said you never left the sea. I did. Silly, I suppose. 
I took you literally. Not silly at all, Miss Aranax. You say you got forests on this island. I have. Though no monkeys climb trees or big cats link between them. The robing room. Pressurized. With a hatch that opens to the outside of the ship. They are underwater, are they not? These uh, forests. But that makes no sense. How can you hunt underwater? Step inside, Mr. Land, and find out. There. Can you move freely? I can move. I wouldn't say freely. You'll find it far easier in the water. The suit won't feel heavy at all. Uh, Professor? Uh, or booted and spelt, I think. Excellent. And finally, the helmets. Ned, you're not in your suit. You're not getting me in one of those. You must wear a diving suit to leave the ship. So if you want to come on this hunt... I'll pass, you... thank you. Ned, are you scared? I don't want to talk about it. I'm just not coming. Uh, what uh, do we hunt with, Captain? Harpoons? Rifles. Like this one, yeah. How is that gonna work? <laughs> Even if you could get gunpowder to ignite underwater... These guns, could... powered by compressed air, fire glass balls that hold an electrical charge. Miniature Leyden jars, if you like. The ball has only to touch its target. The creature, no matter how large, drops dead. I'll bring you back something tasty, Ned. Never forget the subaquatic stroll across the savannah of the seabed. But how can words convey such a wonder? Captain Nemo walked ahead. My father and I followed a few paces behind. I was surprised to see that the sun's rays, piercing the undulating silver ceiling high above our heads, still retained their power at that depth, so we could see clearly for a hundred meters or more. Fish swam about us, singly and in shoals. I could see my father mentally classifying them as he walked. Above, Multicolored jellyfish floated and pulsed, their frond-like tentacles swaying as we passed. After walking for two hours, we attained our hunting ground. Nemo's forest on the edge of Crespo Island, a tract of lofty perpendicular plants, dense as any jungle on Earth, and as in a terrestrial jungle, mortal dangers lurked. When my father and I stopped to examine a scarlet ceramium, a genus of red algae, I saw Nemo turn, raise his rifle and fire. A hideous sea spider a meter across fell writhing at our feet. We moved on, leaving the forest's dark depths to a gently rising stretch of white sand that a mile further on became one of Crespo's beaches. I was looking up at the shadows of seabirds skimming the ocean's surface far above when Nemo grabbed me and pushed me down into the sand. Before I could protest, I saw two monstrous man-eating sharks swimming towards us. 
As they passed, inches overhead, I glimpsed their tarnished silver bellies, their dead eyes, their open maws with rows of razor teeth. Felt the glacial brush of their fins. It seemed a good time to head back to the Nautilus, where we ate heartily and slept for over 24 hours. From these charts, uh, place that inkwell on the corner there, Ned. Uh, and from what Captain Nemo said about heading toward the Indian Ocean, I believe we are here. The tower is straight. Mm. We are traveling at considerable speed, would you not say? We seem to be, yeah. Which makes me fearful. Why? The Torres Strait is an infamously treacherous channel, uh, full of shallows, currents, rocks. It's notorious for shipwrecks. Well, there you are. Ah, good morning, Cunny. Good morning. Good morning? You should be wishing me a happy new year. Today is January the 1st. Oh, are you sure? Positive. <laughs> well, we better start making scratches on the wall like inmates of the Bastille. Mark off the days. Another year over. <laughs> what a strange year it's been. Who knows what the next will bring. Well, the end of our incarceration, I hope. Because if I'm forced to spend another month... Whoa! Ah! 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 What's going on? Ah! 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 Are you all right, Papa? Ah, I, I am. Must have hit something. Seems like your fears were justified, Professor. Good, good. Now dive down and check the screw. <laughs> An accident, Captain. An incident, Professor. <laughs> I thought so, Connie. We've run aground. <laughs> Dear me. Well, let's hope you can lift your precious ship off that sandbar, or it's just so much scrap metal. I'd really rather you stayed below. And miss all the excitement. That your entire crew down there? Nice try, Mr. Land. The currents may be strong here, Captain, but the tides are not. The Nautilus won't move easily. There'll be a full moon on the 6th, so the tide will be in flood. It will lift the Nautilus then. That's almost a week away. Do you have somewhere else to be, Miss Aranax? I should dearly like to be somewhere else. For a few hours, at least. Oh? Where? Oh. oh. That island. Over there. I am amazed. Nemo agreed. A tiny island set in the midst of a torrent. Why would he not? Freedom! <laughs> <laughs> For a while, at least. We'll see about that. What do you mean? Here, take a rifle. Wait, wait. Ned, 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 where, where could we go but back to the Nautilus? Coconuts and breadfruit. And there, look, parrots. Ah, uh ah, -huh. city scenes. A highly intelligent species of bird. Shot! Last, grub that's not fishy. They say parrots taste like pheasant. Who says? People who've never tasted pheasant.
a, uh, a singular culinary experience, Ned. <laughs> mm. uh, not terribly like pheasant, uh, more like... Old boots? Mm. I noticed you ate it. <laughs> I was famished. And the toasted breadfruit was delicious. <laughs> Night falls fast in these climbs. Mm. Ah, time to head home. Home? If we're back on the Nautilus by dusk, as we agreed, Nemo may let us return to the island tomorrow. I'm not returning to the Nautilus. Ned? One more day in that tub, I'll run mad. Kill Nemo or, or one of his creepy crewmen or myself. Have you taken leave of your senses, Ned? Did you not hear me, Professor? I am trying desperately to keep a hold of my senses, trying to fend off the black dog. You, you, you believe you can survive on pallets and breadfruit because no one will rescue you? The, the closest shipping lane is a thousand miles away. Papa, let me talk to no, you. You will die here. Better here than in that tin-plate Bastille. The Nautilus is a miracle of modern science. Papa, stop. What, Connie? I... Wait for us by the boat. Oh, Please. I feel exactly as you do, Ned. Incarcerated. That's so. Feeling more desperate by the day. You don't show it. Perhaps because I'm blessed with something that you lack. Yeah? What's that? Why are you taking so long? Oh, look! A distraction. But Papa's right. Remain on this island, and you'll be fleeing from one prison cell into another. I would have liked air. Come back to the Nautilus, Ned. The chance of escape will come. I'm, I'm sure of it. It hasn't so far. Not even close. It must. In time. A year? Ten? Twenty? You could become an old maid on the Nautilus, Connie. You thought of that? Oh, yes. My father and I can never escape without you, Ned. So please, do not abandon us now. I knew you were trouble when I first set eyes on you. Let's get back. But I fear when Ned returned to the Nautilus, his black dog came too, and it was even hungrier than before. Five days later, the ship was refloated on the full moon tide, and we resumed our travels. Our enigmatic captain disappeared for a long time after that. One morning, in early spring, Ned, my father and I all awoke with blinding headaches after a morbid sleep full of troubling dreams. We suspected our supper the night before had been laced with a powerful narcotic. For a while afterwards, Nemo's black-clad crew, usually impassive and unreadable as the fish my father observed through the viewing windows, seemed edgy and excitable. Something happened. Something Nemo didn't want us to witness. If we were drugged beforehand, it must have been planned. It must have been big, too. Else why would he need us unconscious? Could have just locked us in our rooms like he's done before. He claims he's turned his back on human society. <sighs> he obviously has. My apologies, Professor. Captain. I should have opened the panels before. Noxis, oxycephala, a tasseled scorpion fish. Connie, Connie, <clears throat> my notebook. Your pocket, Papa. We were wondering where we are, Captain. We have just entered the Gulf of Suez. Tomorrow I shall take the Nautilus to the surface. You may go out, take the air. About time. And enjoy the sights of the Mediterranean. 
The Nautilus is a remarkable vessel, Captain. But unless she can circumnavigate the continent of Africa in 24 hours... Or they finish digging the Suez Canal, which I doubt. The, the, the Mediterranean, Captain? <laughs> really? I shall let you in on a secret, as you will never be able to divulge it to anyone off the ship. There is a natural tunnel, 50 meters down, connecting the two seas, the Arabian and the Mediterranean. It runs from Suez to the Bay of Pelusium. <laughs> sure there is. <laughs> You don't believe me. Wait until tomorrow. Are we really in the Mediterranean? We are. The Mare Nostrum, as the Romans called it. Enjoy it while you can. I mean to be in the North Atlantic in 48 hours. We must get off this tub while we're still in the Med. Before Nemo can drag us to the North Pole or some other godforsaken spot. I agree. Father? <sighs> we are prisoners, of course. I, I know that. But the Nautilus provides me with opportunities to observe the wonders of the deep bestowed upon no other man. What are you saying? That I should like a few more months, a few more thousand leagues to complete my studies. If Nemo offered you your freedom today, I would decline. You arrogant, selfish old man. Ah, dare you speak to me like that? I am a member of the Academy. You are surely the worst father in the world. Connie, Connie. You may care nothing for me, but think of your daughter, who is more devoted to you than you could ever deserve. Defend me. Will you condemn her to this undersea prison hulk for the rest of her life? Is Ned right? Would you sacrifice my freedom, my happiness, my life, on the altar of your research? Of course not. Connie, Ned, forgive me. Should a chance of escape present itself, we must seize it. We need darkness, and we need to be on the surface, not too far from some stretch of European coast. Then you would swim? I would. I would risk drowning. So would I. And those odd-looking fellows are gobies of the family Gobidi. They were mentioned by Aristotle. Am I truly a bad father? Oh, Papa. Don't heed, Ned. He fears for his sanity cooped up in here. It makes him angry. Since the day your mother died, can you remember your mother, Connie? Well, falling hair, a bosom, a scent, not really a person. Since that sad day, in all my dealings with you, I have tried to imagine what your dear mother would do. I never knew that. And I always fall short. You never, you never answered my question. I think you're the perfect father. Why, thank you, my dear. Preoccupied, absent-minded, often absent entirely. Oh, Connie, no. Which has always suited me fine. That chance we spoke of. Yes. It may be upon us very soon. If Nemo keeps his course, we pass within a half mile of the island of Santorini an hour after dark. 
We need to persuade him to take the Nautilus to the surface. Your father tells me you're indisposed. I'm finding it difficult to breathe, as if I were suffocating. It's this big tin coffin. The gal needs fresh air. You wish me to take the Nautilus to the surface? Uh, for a while. If you could, uh, I believe it might help. Please, Captain. We'd lose time. But if it would ease your distress. Uh, I believe it would. I'll give the order. Of course, you may merely be suffering from the heat. What heat? Well, you can barely feel it yet, though even now... If you place your hand upon the viewing glass... Warm already. Soon it will be too hot to touch, as we enter the caldera. Ah, uh, no. The what? The undersea volcanoes around Santorini. When they're active as they are now, the sea around the island boils. All marine life dies. Anything, any one going into that water would perish instantly. Perhaps it is better we keep moving and stay submerged. If that's what you think, I hope you recover soon, Miss Aronnax. I swear. I'm gonna tear him limb from limb! My father claimed to share our disappointment, though I could see his real frustration was that we crossed the Mediterranean so quickly, he saw as little of the undersea world as a passenger on an express train sees of the country he hurtles through. Over the months that followed, the Nautilus traveled an immense distance, rising to the surface almost daily, though never once in sight of land. We did see extraordinary sights. Icebergs bigger than Notre Dame, shipwrecks galore, and most memorable of all. Look, there, Pomocanthe dollies. I was with my father in the saloon, watching a pageant of vivid emerald fish swim by. I was worrying about Ned, with whom I'd exchanged barely ten words in the last month. And if I'm honest, I was also feeling a little sorry for myself. So lustrous, as if they were wearing velvet gowns, like a, a crowd of young ladies going to a ball. I wish I could go to a ball. Oh, Connie, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't think I would... <laughs> No! What the hell 
a great dark cloud obscured our view. We held our breath as the cloud turned from black to red. Ned saved the Nautilus that day, saved Nemo and the crew, saved us, and I believe saved his sanity in the process. Ned and I hatched a plan to free the skiff from its housing on the deck of the Nautilus and use it as a vehicle for our escape. We purloined tools to accomplish the task and bided our time. I had explosions. That's a warship firing on us. What? Getting closer all the time. Come on, lads! What nationality? I can't tell they're not flying colors. If they come closer, I'm swimming over to them. You should do the same. You think they know we are a ship? We don't look like a ship. Maybe they think we are well. They know exactly what we are, because they've been sent to sink us. That ship is the successor to the Abraham Lincoln. Come on, lads! You could do better than that! Stop that! You do not want to fight me, Mr. Land. Get below me. All three of you. Now! You mean to attack that ship? I mean to sink it. Captain, I beg you, don't. It would be murder. Why, why not vanish beneath the waves and slip away? Don't presume to judge me. Here, I am the law. I am judge, jury, and execution. Those are the words of a tyrant. Whoever sent that ship is the tyrant. I am the reviled, the dispossessed. Thanks to them and their kind, I lost everything I ever loved. My wife and children, father and mother, even my homeland. Now either go below or drown. Ned, my father and I kept company in the saloon. The panels that shuttered the viewing windows were closed so we could see nothing of the tumult raging outside. Though we felt every last blow. Oh. Uh -huh. oh. He said he lost his homeland. What land might that be? Can't tell. He said he lost his family too. That explains all the hate. Oh. That was too close. That's what happened when he drugged us. He, he sank another ship. We're speeding up. What the hell? Uh. 
still moving? I can't tell. It's over. What do you mean? You wish me to show you. of wood and iron, rope and sailcloth that had lately been a ship descended slowly into the depths. The Nautilus followed it down as if eager to dwell upon its final agonies. So we saw everything. The gash in its hull like a fatal wound. The splintering masts and billowing sails, the rows of useless cannon. Most terrible of all, a sight forever graven in my memory. The frantic, shadowy figures trapped between the decks, twisting in the shrouds, drifting away until they were lost forever in the dark. Satisfied? Captain! Connie! Connie! I followed Nemo, the remorseless Avenger, through the ship to his quarters. As his door slowly closed, I saw him fall to his knees before a portrait of a woman holding two small children, stretch out his arms to them, and weep. Connie. Connie, wake up. Ned? We're getting out tonight. How? In the skiff, when the Nautilus rises for air. We'll be caught. No. Nemo hasn't left his quarters in days. Not since the sinking. There's never anyone on watch. How far from land will we be? Twenty miles, maybe. I saw it through the fog last night. We've hardly moved since then. What land is it? I don't know. I don't care. The weather? Strong winds, rough seas. But I've rowed in worse. You'll prepare your father? Of course. Will he come? Gladly. Papa views Nemo very differently since he sank that ship. He's as desperate to get away as we are. I'll be waiting on deck, as soon as we surface. Connie, one more thing. Yes? If Nemo or any of his crew tries to stop me, I mean a fight. To the death if I have to. I'll fight with you. My father, too. If we die, Ned, we die together. You have to admit... It's been an amazing voyage. We must have traveled at least 20,000 leagues. Papa, and... shush! Oh. Think of all we saw, all we experienced. The abundant oceans, the, the giant squid, our underwater walk. Nemo himself, a tyrant, yes, but a most remarkable man. A true spirit of the seas. What have you got in this bag? Bricks? My notebooks, all my studies and observations. Oh, no. What? Nemo's in the gallery. Uh, isn't there another way out? You know there's not. We'll have to sneak past him. I really don't think... We'll be fine. As long as he doesn't stop playing. It's pitch dark in there. All the better for us. Just don't bump into anything. Come on.
Enough. Off the coast of... Uh, no, Norway, yes. <sighs> there are orcas here. Orsinus orca. How did we survive? By a miracle. Oh, no. Did... Oh, poor Ned. Poor Ned's right here, Professor. Ah, uh, Ned. Can't you smell my backy? Oh, thank goodness. Connie's a strong swimmer. She bore you up. I helped her. Not really a miracle. Thank you. Let me shake your hand. Oh, oh I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Oh. I think your wrist may be broken. We all got knocked about. You most of all. You struck your head, Papa. You've been unconscious for two days. What happened to the Nautilus? We don't rightly know. Not for certain. I watched it go down. Into the maelstrom. I've been talking to the islanders. Ships go in, they say, but... No one's ever seen one come out. Nemo is dead then? Seems so. With all his crew. So now, we shall never know his secrets. How he built that extraordinary vessel. Why? Where he was from. Indeed. And who he really was. Perhaps. Though somehow I find it hard to believe the world will never hear from him again. In 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne, Professor Aranax was played by Neil McCaw, Connie by Madeline Hatt, and Captain Nemo by Saga Arya. Ned Land was David Seddon, and Captain Farragut was Philip Brotherton. The narrator was Georgie Glenn. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was dramatized by Gregory Evans, and the director was Mark Beebe.